You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here today. There's a lot to cover on today's show. A lot of football in the first couple of segments on today's show. I'm going to take a look ahead to 2019. We are coming out of spring practice, so you see the post-spring top 25s. I'm going to look at one of those coming up here in the first segment of the show and use that to kind of gauge what Tennessee is going to face this upcoming season. That's here in segment number one. There's also news with Tennessee's football team with a lineman deciding that he can no longer play football. I'll tell you about that here in the first segment. In segment number two, as I continue to look at each position on Tennessee's football team, I'll take a look at the outside linebackers today. Yesterday's show looked at the inside linebackers. Today, we'll hear from Chris Rumpf, Tennessee's outside linebackers coach. He'll talk about Daryl Taylor and the steps that he is trying to take to take his game to an even higher level. That could mean a big difference for Tennessee's defense if he does. That's coming up in segment number two. And in the third segment, there is a player who is leaving Tennessee's basketball program, it looks like. And I'll take another look at the latest mock drafts, what they say about Grant Williams. There are different opinions out there, which I think says that Grant still has some thinking to do and has to go through that evaluation process. I'll get you all of that right here on Locked On Vols, your team every day, available on the Himalaya app, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the third-party apps, and your smart speaker, plus Spotify. You can find Locked On Vols anywhere you listen to podcasts. Stuart Mandel has his post-spring top 25 out. He posted that at theathletic.com recently. So I thought I'd run through it and use that to kind of take a look at what Tennessee is going to face this upcoming season. Here is the top five. Again, this is a national poll from Stuart Mandel. His top five teams coming out of the spring, Clemson is number one, Alabama is number two, Georgia is third, Oklahoma is fourth, LSU is fifth. There could be some pretty high expectations for Ed Orgeron's team heading into the season. Of course, you have the challenge of what LSU has to go through, including Alabama. But two of those teams will be on Tennessee's schedule from the top five. Alabama number two, Georgia number three. Florida is number 10. So if you look at Stuart Mandel's post-spring top 25, Tennessee has three opponents in the top 10. As I've mentioned this week, I think on yesterday's show, Florida is hoping to make a big jump this season. Florida is hoping to enter national championship contention, meaning uh, if it can win the East and have a chance in an SEC title, then it would be in the national championship picture as well. The only other team on Tennessee's schedule in Stuart Mandel's top 25 is Missouri. The Tigers come in at number 24, And I do think Missouri is going to be a very interesting football team. Here's what Stuart Mandel wrote about Missouri. The Tigers quietly won five of their final seven last season, including a 38-17 route at Florida. Clemson grad transfer quarterback Kelly Bryant gives the offense a new run threat. Running back Larry Roundtree III will be the featured back after rushing for 1,216 yards last season. The defense will miss star defensive end Terry Beckner, but brings back all-SEC linebacker Kel Garrett and cornerback Demarcus Acey and several young defenders shined this spring. If Missouri's defense continues to improve and the offense can continue to play at a high level, is it going to be as good as it was a year ago with Drew Locke? That would be difficult to say. But notice what Stuart Mandel pointed to 
Kelly Bryant gives the offense a new run threat. Missouri was very good at running the football, and that should continue. Tennessee's defense, and it'll play Missouri later in the season, will need to be better stopping the run. Last year, Drew Locke was able to do what he wanted to. Missouri really just ran away from Tennessee. Uh, That first half, the end of it was almost a reverse conversation from the way the Kentucky game went the week before. But I think Missouri is right to be considered a fringe top 25 team. And if I look at Tennessee's schedule, I see it as the fourth most difficult game. I think it's pretty obvious that Alabama's the toughest one with it being ranked the highest among Tennessee's opponents, and it's on the road. Georgia, whether you're playing the Bulldogs home or away, I think should be considered the second. And then Florida on the road in Gainesville is no doubt going to be a very tough game. It's a big year for Dan Mullen, year two at Florida, just like it is for Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Florida is starting out in a more favorable position. Now, I thought about this top 25 compared to the S&P Plus top 25 from a couple of months ago, that coming from SB Nation and Bill Conley. One other thing I should point out, so Stuart Mandel has his top 25, and then he did list a few schools that just missed. One of those is Kentucky, and Tennessee does have to go on the road to play Kentucky this season. I know how the game went this past year, and Tennessee should have plenty of confidence going into that game, but don't just write it off as a guaranteed win for Tennessee just because the Vols were able to win pretty comfortably this past year. Going to Lexington, schedule's going to be a little bit different. Uh, could it, it should be at least a tough game for Tennessee. So back to the S&P Plus Top 25. Alabama and Georgia were number one and number two when that came out. Again, this is back in February. Uh, it was after signing day, but before spring practices had taken place. Alabama number one, Georgia number two, Florida number six. Now here's where things really get to be different. Mississippi State is number 10 in the S&P Plus rankings that came out in February. Mississippi State was not even in Stuart Mandel's top 25. Like Jeremy Pruitt, like I mentioned with Dan Mullen, Mississippi State is entering year two with head coach Joe Moorhead. Now, they have to replace some very key pieces on defense, especially up front with the defensive linemen Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat gone. Also, Jonathan Abram was a first-round pick at safety, so he's gone from that defense as well. They do have Bob Shootback, and he had a really good first year with the Bulldogs. So Mississippi State's number 10 in the S&P Plus rankings. Missouri's number 16, so higher, but again, in the top 25. South Carolina is number 18, and also Tennessee was number 21 there. I'm sure Stuart Mandel didn't really consider Tennessee for his top 25, and right now I would say that he shouldn't. But in the S&P Plus, Tennessee comes in at number 21, What's worth pointing out, though, is that Tennessee has to play a bunch of teams ranked higher, again, according to that ranking. So you see a difference there. Six in the top 20, according to the S&P Plus, are on Tennessee's schedule. Only four of the top 25 on Stuart Mandel's list. I also will continue to point this out through the offseason and heading into the start of the year. That BYU game is potentially tricky. Tennessee will be at home. Tennessee will be favored. Rightfully so. Tennessee should be favored at home against BYU. But I don't think it'll be a huge favorite. I've heard projections of Tennessee maybe as a six and a half to seven and a half point favorite, meaning Tennessee better be ready for that kind of game. And I think Jeremy Pruitt will go into that one telling his team, do not overlook BYU, which last year won on the road against Wisconsin. And BYU is going to say, hey, if we can go to Camp Randall and win, why can't we go to Neyland Stadium and win? That's going to be the message there. BYU is not going to be a preseason top 25 team, and it's not going to be a game that gets a lot of hype, but it should be one that Tennessee players think about. So uh, interesting there. There will be other 
top 25s that come out. There are probably some that I've missed uh, because spring practice is over, and I'll try to bring those to you as well just to give you a little perspective on what Tennessee will face this season. So one more time, Stuart Mandel's top 25 has three Tennessee opponents in the top 10, number two, Alabama, number three, Georgia, and number 10, Florida, and the other Tennessee opponent in the top 25, number 24, Missouri. In case you're curious, other SEC teams that are ranked there on Stewart's list, Auburn is number 13. That was a little higher than I expected. Texas A&M is number 16. Jimbo Fisher, year two. Let's see what kind of jump the Aggies might be able to make with Kellen Mond coming back at quarterback. One personnel note to tell you about with Tennessee's football team. On Wednesday, Eric Crosby announced on Twitter that he is retiring from football because of injury issues. His knees have gone through a lot, and we've seen, as he's been a part of Tennessee's program, the way that he has had to battle through those. He uh, is a big player. He came in as a defensive lineman, has been on the offensive line, and really is just he had to battle through weight, which he needed to lose, and more importantly, to try to be healthy, knee injuries. So Eric Crosby announcing that he is giving up football. He is the third Tennessee lineman to do that here in the last several months. Chance Hall, who also battled through injuries, announced that he is going to give up football and bypassing his senior season. He has remained with the Tennessee football program. And then the same with Tanner Antonuti, whose career really ended before it began. He was a part of last year's class, the signing class that Jeremy Pruitt signed after coming in to replace Butch Jones. So Eric Crosby announcing that he is going to uh, retire from football and Remember, Tennessee does need to get down on its numbers. Tennessee right now would be over the 85 scholarship limit with all players coming in. Now, they don't come in again until the summer, and you have until August with the start of camp. There are other players like Darren Kirkland Jr. Is he going to be a part of the team? Could somebody else leave? There are some things to be figured out, but Tennessee gets a scholarship back, which does help with the 85 limit with Eric Crosby deciding to step away from the game. All the best to Eric with his decision to do that. Coming up next here on Locked on Vols, we will move the conversation to the defensive side. As I continue to look at different positions on Tennessee's football team, we'll talk about the outside linebackers coming up next. Who needs to step up at that position? And can Daryl Taylor take his game to another level? Chris Rumpf talks about that next on Locked on Vols, which you can find every day on the new Himalaya app. If you get the Himalaya app, you can follow Locked on Vols It has personally curated playlists. It has new features every day. So check it out in your app store. Download the brand new Himalaya app. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The player who no doubt needs to step up and play at a very high level this year with the outside linebackers is Daryl Taylor. I think individually, he's one of the most important players on Tennessee's football team. We can, of course, say that about quarterback Jarrett Garantano. We can talk about the freshman offensive lineman because of that position group and the need to improve and the pressure that might be there on them. But if you look at the defensive side and said, okay, who is most likely to be Tennessee's best player this year? I'd probably say 
Daryl Taylor. And if he can become a high-level player, if he can get into an all-SEC level of play this year, then that can mean a, a big difference for Tennessee's defense. I'm going to go through all the players who are expected to help at outside linebacker and some of the versatility they might be looking at as well coming up in just a moment. But this is what Chris Rumpf said, Tennessee's outside linebackers coach. He's also the co-defensive coordinator. When he met with the media during spring practice talking about Daryl Taylor and what he needs to do to improve and what he's seeing from Taylor this spring. I'm going to tell you like this, man, to be honest with you. Anytime there's money involved with it, guys team seems to pick it up a little bit. So this is last year, and he's trying to create as much value for himself as possible. But um, knowing Dow, if it wasn't, uh, you know, if we had an opportunity to go to the NFL, I think he'll still be doing the same thing because I think he enjoys ball. I think he enjoys um, getting better. What are the things he needs to refine to maximize his value at the next level? You know, just being comfortable, uh, standing up, you know, playing out in, on, in space. Uh, I think he doesn't feel as comfortable. He likes being close to the action. And I think he needs to, you know, refine that game and, and, and be comfortable with it because he has the ability to do it. And if you think about it, Daryl Taylor spent his first three seasons at Tennessee as a defensive end. And there is something to that with what his position is with Tennessee now. His job is to go after the quarterback, but he does different things at outside linebacker. And I think we've seen him improve. You think about the Georgia and Kentucky games. Taylor was a monster in those games. Can he do that more consistently? He's a player that for so long, we heard about his athletic dominance, how he was freakish in his ability to do different things on the field or in workouts that maybe we weren't even seeing. This past year, he had a chance to play a position, I think, where he can really thrive, and now having a full offseason to learn more about the position, to learn more from Chris Rump, Taylor could take his game to another level, and there's also something to what Chris Rump mentioned there at the beginning of his comment. Money's on the line. This is it for Daryl Taylor. He's back for his fifth year, his senior year at Tennessee. This is his last chance at the college level to showcase to NFL teams what he can do. I think early on in his career, he needed to mature. His third year at Tennessee, remember he was suspended for a couple of weeks after the fight with Trey Smith. Daryl was in the wrong in that situation. So the chance to mature, the chance to learn, the chance to make more plays on the field could give Taylor a chance to have a big year his senior year at Tennessee, and boy, do the Vols need that. Because also, I think a question that Tennessee's coaches have is how many players do they have that they can count on to go after the quarterback? Here's what Tennessee has at outside linebacker. Daryl Taylor, of course. DeAndre Johnson, who's played a pretty good amount of football. He's entering his junior season. Jordan Allen, who arrived a year ago as a JUCO transfer. He at one point looked at being in the transfer portal, has decided to stay at Tennessee, which I think is a good thing because the Vols are pretty short on numbers. Kevon Bennett, who has played defensive end, he's lost a little weight, uh, trimmed up a little bit to play outside linebacker. And then Tennessee has true freshman Roman Harrison coming in this summer. He was not incredibly highly rated, but Harrison is thought to be a guy that could be a sleeper in the 2019 class, thought to be a big-time athlete who could blossom into a really good outside linebacker and a guy that can go after the quarterback. Is he ready to do that right away, though? That's a question. He's not even here yet. He'll be here in just a few weeks for the summer. Uh, Tennessee also has Niles Gaddy. He's a redshirt freshman scholarship player who has practiced at that position as well. Tennessee just has a lack of depth, realistically, right now, at outside linebacker. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, Daniel Batuli and Quavaris Crouch are guys who have moved around and they've seen some time 
in pass rush situations at outside linebacker. Previously, J.J. Peterson has moved around from inside to outside, and when he signed at Tennessee, the thought at the time was he can be a guy that can play any of the four linebacker positions for Tennessee, so inside or outside. Maybe that remains the case, but as I talked about yesterday, we've really yet to see J.J. Peterson at full strength physically, so until he's able to practice at full strength, it's unrealistic to expect him to be a guy that can move around and play different positions. We just haven't seen it yet, at least in our time there on the practice field. So he could, down the line, be a guy that Tennessee counts on. But realistically, if Tennessee is going to have somebody move and and help in a pass rush situation, it's more likely to be Daniel Batuli and maybe, as the year goes along, Quavaris Crouch. There is potential there, especially if Daryl Taylor can take his game to a higher level. And let's see what Henry Tuoto does. I should mention him as well, a highly touted linebacker who will be here this summer. But for Tennessee, again, uh, Batuli, Crouch, let's see what they're able to do just because we have seen them do different things inside and outside on defense. And then DeAndre Johnson, he's a guy I wonder, can he take a step and be a more consistent pass rusher for Tennessee? Kevon Bennett's a guy that I would use as an example of somebody that, because of Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ansley's ability to scheme and coach and find a way to use players, that there will be situations where he's successful as well. They've got some pieces to work with. There's a lot to be proven with Tennessee's outside linebackers as well. Coming up in the final segment here of Locked on Vols, I will switch over to basketball. There is a Tennessee basketball player entering the transfer portal. More change coming with Tennessee's basketball roster. Also, the latest in what is being said about Grant Williams. It's kind of up and down with his mock draft projections. And Jordan Bone, what do they say out there about him as well? That's coming up in the final segment of Locked on Vols. If you have time to rate and review the show on iTunes, that is a big help to the show. Thanks to everybody who has. I've checked them out. It's pretty incredible to see how many people have gone on there and rated and reviewed the show. So thanks to everybody who has done that. If you haven't and you have a moment, please take a a second to rate and review the show on iTunes and keep spreading the word, telling Tennessee fans about the daily Tennessee podcast, Locked on Vols. So a big part of the conversation over the last few weeks with Tennessee's basketball team has been, what's the roster going to look like next year? Well, word came out on Wednesday, Grant Ramey with a report on GoVols 247, that Derek Walker has entered the transfer portal. So Tennessee's rising junior is now looking at leaving the program. And Walker's a guy who arrived that, as a freshman, showed the potential that he could play a pretty important role for Tennessee as his career developed. But this past year did not back that up. Starting in SEC play, from then on, there were only two games in which Derek Walker played double-digit minutes. The first SEC game against Georgia, Derek Walker played 10 minutes. That was a game where Tennessee won by 46 points. It was a runaway. That might have helped him get a few extra minutes there at the end. And then later in the season, remember that South Carolina game. It was on the road a Tuesday night. He played 13 minutes in that game. Really was an important part of what Tennessee was able to do in that game, ultimately winning by more than 20 points. That was the game where Jordan Bowden was not able to go because of a knee injury situation, and they kind of just found out right before the game that he wouldn't be able to play. So in that one, Jalen Johnson and Derek Walker both ended up needing to step up and play more minutes. But for the rest of the season... You'd see four minutes here, six minutes there. There were some DNPs. He wasn't always needed. And I did wonder, okay, with 
Admiral Schofield leaving, Kyle Alexander leaving, Grant Williams potentially leaving, could that mean more of an opportunity for Derek Walker? And also with the transfer portal, guys can opt out and stay. But right now, I'd say it's more likely that Derek Walker is going to be leaving Tennessee's basketball program. That leaves more questions about the post, especially if Grant Williams does stay in the draft. You have John Fulkerson coming back. DJ Burns is absolutely going to be a player that Tennessee counts on. Drew Pember's coming in from uh, Bearden. There's been speculation that Zach Kent, who has not contributed yet for Tennessee, could also transfer out of the program. So you're looking at potentially a lot of turnover from Tennessee's basketball team this past year, especially in the post. Let's say Grant Williams stays in the draft. Look at this past year's team. Number one score, Grant Williams, gone. Number two score, Admiral Schofield, gone. Number three score, Jordan Bone, most likely gone. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. Then you have Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden back. Then Kyle Alexander, gone. John Fulkerson, back. Eve Pons, back. And then Derek Walker in the post, he didn't play that much this year again. He only averaged 5.3 minutes per game, but that's somebody that you would have to replace as well. So I'd, I'd say that Tennessee will look at all options. The high school recruiting trail, the grad transfer market is absolutely something to pay attention to. Tennessee is going to go after the best players on the grad transfer market, and the Vols have a better chance of at least being in play with some of those guys because of what Tennessee has been able to do the last couple of years and because of the opportunity that has opened up with players that are departing and others who could be moving on. Speaking of, I looked at the latest mock drafts from cbssports.com and The Athletic. cbssports.com has Grant Williams going number 13 in the NBA draft. That's the highest I've seen in a mock draft. The Ringer.com recently ranked Grant number 12 on their big board. That was not a mock draft projecting where players will go, but CBS has Grant at number 13. Admiral Schofield is number 25 in that mock draft, going number 25, so a first-round selection for him. And then Jordan Bone is not listed. Now, the Athletics mock draft from Sam Vecini, he has Grant Williams going number 27. And Sam notes that he's very high on Grant and would rank him higher on his own big board, but he believes NBA teams right now see Grant as a late first, early second round pick. That's why I would say... Grant still needs to go through this process, get the evaluation, work out for teams, and see where he really stands. It's one thing for a writer to mock Grant going somewhere, whether it's number 13, number 19, number 27, or somewhere in between those picks. But what the NBA teams tell him is obviously far more important. So uh, Grant's number 27. Sam says that he should be higher, Sam Vecini from The Athletic. And maybe by the end of uh, this evaluation process, he will be higher but it's worth paying attention to. Also, Sam Vecini has Admiral Schofield going number 38 in his mock draft, and then Jordan Bone is not listed. Now, when David Ubbin of The Athletic tweeted out, hey, here's this list, and notice Jordan Bone is not on there, Sam replied and said, I don't have Jordan Bone on there, but he'd probably be among the top 10 players right outside the draft, and also noted that NBA teams like Jordan Bone. So right now, he's not on too many Mock drafts, Sports Illustrated recently had him, I think, around number 55, but that's what the next few weeks are for. Jordan has a chance to climb with his draft stock. He could drop as well, but if he climbs, he could be a draft pick, and if he stays in the draft and he's selected, well, at that point, we know he's not coming back because the rules wouldn't allow it. Still uh, still a long way to go and still plenty to pay attention to in these workouts to take place. 
The NBA Draft Combine will start May 14th, so that will be a very important week for Grant Williams and Jordan Bone especially, Admiral Schofield no doubt as well. So as things develop with Tennessee's basketball program, the roster is fluid right now. We'll be paying attention to that right here on the show. Coming up tomorrow, Jeremy Pruitt, a look into how he helps players develop, how he teaches them to understand the game. You'll hear that coming up on tomorrow's show, the Friday edition of Locked on Vols, which is available on the new Himalaya app, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, the third-party apps, and you can tell your smartphone when you get in your car to play podcasts, Locked on V-O-L-S. Thanks so much for hanging out here today. I'll see you again tomorrow on Locked on Vols. Yeah.